today on The Breakdown. Have we got a special one for you this time around? We don't just have two of the best players in the world playing in a $25,000 super high roller. And when I say two of the best players in the world, I'm not kidding around. I'm talking about Adrian Mateos and Kristen Bicknell. Those have got to be two of the 10 best tournament players in the world, right? Surely? So they're playing in a super high roller, but it isn't even just that. They're playing in a super high roller where there's only eight players left. And while they've already made 60,000 euro, there still is 640,000 euro to win, and there is not too far to go. Kristen Bignell is going to put herself in an interesting spot. And I don't know, sometimes the best players in the world are able to navigate these spots better than the rest of us. And we're going to find out right now if Kristen Bignell can do some cool swimming through this particular sea of trouble. Uh, stick with that metaphor on the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I was sitting here wondering if I was going to get a chance to talk on this podcast. <laughs> that was a pretty long opening. <laughs> I don't, I don't know anymore, man. I'm just trying to, you know, keep it was like all different it, from each other. It was like the end of the night when you go out to dinner with people that you don't necessarily want to spend that much time with. And like <laughs> the night keeps almost ending and you're like, Oh, this is definitely when they're going to be like, okay, I, I could, I should go home now. I have to feed the kid or whatever. And then they just are like, Oh, but you know what happened at work the other day? My suit was Brown. And then they talk about that for a long time. Before uh, all the social distancing and pandemic happened, I saw, um, I think you were actually at this too. I went to a, a concert that a friend of ours was actually a few friends of ours were, were doing at a bar and I had to go at some point, but they, I was, so I was like getting ready to go when the next song ended. And as that song was ending, or I guess it just ended, I was about to stand up. I think I even did stand up and you know, there was, there was whatever, it wasn't wildly packed, but there were people there. And one of our two friends who was up performing said, all right, this is going to be our last song. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll wait one more song. And then they proceeded to, sing seven more songs and saying each song was the last song. And I felt, you know, I felt tricked. You felt betrayed. I think I felt like something bad was happening. Maybe they were trying to prevent me from dying. Maybe they could see the future. And like, if he goes on the road now, the truck kills him. So we're just going to keep saying it's the last song. It worked. I stuck around out of social obligation and got more annoyed at at the end of everyone. Every song I was like, are you kidding me? I'm leaving after this one no matter what. And then they would say, well, this is really going to be the last song. I'm like, all right. And then it wasn't. Just lies. Everyone lies. Did you really have to be somewhere or you just want to leave? I can't remember. It's been too long. You know, it's a post-pandemic or current pandemic. It's a haze through the pandemic. I can't see the past clearly anymore. I don't know what did and didn't happen. I have opinions. That's all I have. There are no facts. I mean, that's no always truth. the case, right? I, it's more clear to me now. Than ever. The fog is more clear to you now. Exactly. I can see the fog for what it is. It's weird. The fog, the thing that, you know, obscures the vision is clear. Er. <laughs> hey, this is going well, this podcast. Isn't I, it? You know, <laughs> people need content. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. That people say our, one of the great things about us is our rapport, right? At least some people say that. Well, some people, not so much. Some people are like, stop trying to be comedians and get to the poker, you dumbbells. We get that a lot, too. Yeah, we get a decent amount of that, but they can shut up. I don't care. I mean, you know, try locking yourself in a house for 
freaking a month and a half. I know you have. How are you doing? Well, we're doing like that too, okay? We're recording <laughs> it. Leave us alone. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, this is a poker hand. Let's talk about that. It is okay. uh, eight remaining in this 25K buy-in. As, as you mentioned in the long drawn out opening, that means that everybody's in the money. They've already locked up 60,000 euros. And I believe you said there's another 650K to win for first, something like that. Yeah. And um, just to translate this to dollars in case that's helpful, I don't know if it matters or not for people, but uh, so yeah, they've locked up almost $75,000 has actually been won already. And first place in dollars anyways, almost $860,000 instead of the 700,000 euro. Give you a sense of the uh, conversion rate. We're in one of those classic ICM spots where like you've just burst the bubble and now maintaining your stack is not as valuable as it just was and is not as valuable as it will be if another four or five players get knocked out. This is a time to kind of try to accumulate chips. Yeah, and if you want to get a really good sense of it. So in eighth place, eighth place plays the same as ninth, which is, I'm going to keep it in dollars here, 73,500. Seventh place is only 37,000 more. Sixth place is only 37,000 more than that. Fifth place is 36,000 more than that. And finally, when we get to fourth place there's a jump, you know, from fifth to fourth is where it starts to get slightly interesting where it's a 67, 63, excuse me, $66,000 jump. And then the jumps get real, you know, but like, so really all these people should not be playing. They should be, they should be opening up their games and playing higher variants right now. Uh, if they don't feel that there's any obvious spots at the table. Now here's who's at the table. Rainer Kempe. He's really good. Eric Seidel. He, some people think he's the goat for the high rollers, at least. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody do. thinks that anymore, right? I heard them saying it not long ago uh, on, you know, TV. Adrian Mateos, he's one of the best players in the world. Byron Kaverman, he's one of the better players in the world. He was the GPI number one player a few years ago. Alex Foxen, yeah, he might currently be the GPI number one player. I don't know anymore, but he was for like at least a year and a half. Kristen Bicknell, yeah, she's really good. A guy named Juan Dominguez, who I can't speak to. I guess I can look at his Hendon as we're talking. Is that and then a guy who's a clear amateur. Is that, is that guy not taking your calls? Why can't you talk to him? Uh, I'm now, he now is texting me back. So that's the good news. He has 3.7 million in, uh, in wins. So he's not like these other folks anyway, where like these high rollers are kind of normal. He's got, you know, like a bunch of these other folks have got 10 million plus on their resume. Almost all of them do really. Um, so he's not that, but he's not a slouch either. You know, his best left cash is 1.1 million. He still has another 2.6 million in wins beyond that. He's not, he's not free and easy. There is one absolute amateur at the table. So who, spoiler alert is going to win the whole thing yeah. uh, somehow, <laughs> but uh, that's it. So, so it's not like a super soft field or anything like that. I think they should be playing pretty hard at each other. Right. right. All of this to say you shouldn't like take some spots, a little bit lower variance because you're going to wait for the fish to make huge mistakes and, and, like it's just you're just giving away money by getting in these huge pots against these other elite players when the fish are just going to give it away. It's not like that, right? I think that's correct. And to give you a sense also of uh, the blind situation, so Kristen's starting the hand. Well, I guess you you know how many blinds Kristen has, right? Like you have that sense because I have what it was. Uh, she has something like forty. Yeah. Okay. So there's going to be two short stacks at the table though. Both Caverman and Foxen are significantly shorter. They're both under twenty blinds to start this hand, which doesn't matter that much in terms of ICM, but if anyone's thinking about it, there you go. There yeah. are two short stacks, but it shouldn't really affect things. Under 20 blinds is not like extreme danger anyway. No, 
No, it's not. Uh, Although these these guys shove a little more wide and yeah. a little more often than uh, I guess that's the same thing uh, with twenty blinds than people like you and me do in our much you know softer tournaments that we play. <laughs> well, that's because <laughs> we we are taking into account the fields and we are thinking, yes. oh, let's let the fish bust each other instead and like instead of just getting in high variance spots against the other good player at the table for no reason. Yeah. Also, like in the tournaments we play, having twenty five blinds is a reasonable stack. As yeah. opposed to this, where it's like you're you're a clear short stack, and so like a fifteen blind stack or a twenty blind stack, even a twelve blind stack is pretty workable, and you can last. I mean, you and I have both lasted hours and even days with stacks that big. You know, I mean, my uh, when I final table the World Series event in twenty seventeen, I think from the end of day one until the very end of day two, I I was hovering between twelve and. 28 blinds like never out of that range for like a full entire day of tournament play you know i think most of what the last year when i i had a a deeper in the monster stack where i finished like a hundredth or something 105th i don't know something like that um out of nine thousand players i think day two and day three i don't know if i ever had more than 30 blinds at any point and i lasted deep into day three you know uh and it just was sort of like okay i think there may have been like an hour where I had more than 30 blinds and the whole day and a half of play there. It's always kind of a fun time when you've been just hovering for a long time. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have chips now. That is cool. But then it's sad when they go away. It is very sad on day three, the monster I've been hanging in there and hanging in there with like 11 blinds, 12 blinds, 13 blinds. And I think I open shoved 14 blinds with jacks in middle position because the table was finally full of good players. And I got called by ACE 10 out of the small blind doubled up, had 20, had like 30 blinds. It was like at 1.2 million in chips. I'm like, oh my God, I finally have like a reasonable stack. It's the first time I've had a reasonable stack in this event, maybe since day one. Like this is crazy. And then the very good players proceeded to remove those chips from me, you know, piece by piece. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I got check raised multiple times and I don't know if they had it or not. They played well. They were good. They were tough. Well, that's too bad. Anyway, Sorry yeah, to hear was, that. Yeah. But, you know, like being able to hang in there with these 12 to 15 blind stacks has real value. I mean, something like the monster, obviously, you're, you're a great example of this where you made, what, $90,000. Um, but even something like in the monster where I end up, instead of cashing for, you know, $1,800 or $2,000, I make like $7,000, you know, just because I, I know how to navigate that. And, you know, don't, didn't get unlucky, of course, too, like when I get in with jacks against Ace-10 or, or whatever. Like that helps, too. Of course, you have to hold. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, not relevant at all to the hand, but hey, that's okay. Not relevant to the hand. Are you kidding? You're right. Adrian Mateos is in the hand. That makes it relevant. It's because Adrian Mateos is in the hand. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, you know, the hand, it was suggested by actually a personal friend of mine. Um, Mm. Who's we've that? talked about him. We've talked about him on the podcast a couple times. I think you you know who he is, Jonathan. This was uh, suggested by Jonathan Levy. Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, uh, we almost didn't do yeah. the hand because he didn't do it right. He did not suggest on Twitter. He did no. not include a YouTube link. He didn't include a timestamp or anything. He just kind of like he's like, ah, I got friend privileges. I'll just talk about it and they'll do it. You know, and you know what I works. actually what I actually do is I was in quarantine and watching poker old poker videos. This one is from uh, twenty eighteen. And I was like, that's an interesting hand. And I took a photo of the, the YouTube title and the time it was and just kept it in my, uh, in my phone. And I'm like, hey, I think we can find this. This is at least worth talking about. And here we are. 
By the way, if you want to suggest a hand, definitely don't do what Jonathan did and take a picture yeah. of the hand that you're watching and be like, hey, you guys can find this. Don't do that. That'll never <laughs> work. Uh, I, I knew I liked this hand, so we were willing to do a little digging for it, but you have to do it the right way. Just tweet at us, include a YouTube link, timestamp it. That's it. It's easy. It's easy peasy. Yep. We are the Poker oh. Guys on Twitter, at the number two Poker Guys, and uh, that's where you suggest. All right, let's get to the hand. Let's get so, to the hand. All right, so Kristen Bicknell has 13 million at 150K, 300K. So just over 40 blinds. She raises to 650K under the gun with King of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. We're fine with this, right? This is like near the bottom of the under the gun range, but whatever. Yep. It's totally fine. Mateos is on the button. He's got 40 blinds as well. He's got a little bit less, 12 million in his stack. And he's just going to call with Ace of Hearts, King of Diamonds. What do you think about this? My, I immediately am wondering if one of the blinds is uh, one of the folks with about 20 blinds in their stack and he's trying to set up a squeeze play. They're trying to induce a squeeze with a really strong hand. It seems I, unlicely that a squeeze is going to happen that frequently when Bicknell opens under the gun though. That is true. That's a really good point. It's surprising because, I mean, maybe he feels like Bicknell's under the gun range is going to, the get it in for 40 blinds under the gun range is not great for Ace King, which is probably true. Yeah, Like maybe she's willing to go with ace queen there, but unless she's bluffing, everything else has got you in trouble. Not maybe not huge trouble, but like you're, you're a dog or chopping with everything else. Right. Like, yeah. You're not going to go with ace Jack. No, she of might course call not. a three bet with ace Jack. I mean, there's still real value to be had though. in three betting, of course there is, but mixing in some calls here is totally fine. I think when under the gun opens and 40 blinds, is kind of an awkward stack to get ace King in against most players. Um, yeah, these players, though, it's a little less awkward, right? These guys are going to be a little wider, going to do a little more whack stuff. But again, when he's attacking the under-the-gun range, it may tighten things up again a little bit for the most part. So unless he's been three-betting like a madman, uh, I can understand at least some value in not, certainly not always three-betting this hand. But this is a hand you could, you could decide to three-bet at these stack sizes nearly 100% of the time, and it would be fine. You know, yeah. like three-bet go with, and it's okay at 40 blinds, like... You can't be making that big a mistake. I agree. Nonetheless, Adrian decides to call. Yep. Ace King off. And uh, the blinds both fold. It's deceptive as hell. That's for sure. What type of range do you think he has when he calls the under the gun open at 40 blinds effective on the button? Good question. I think he's got a lot of medium pocket pairs. I think he has a lot of big suited Broadway. Yeah. Do you think he has like like, uh, seven, eight suited and eight, nine suited? I don't know if he can have those. Maybe he can barely have those. Maybe just barely because they're 40 blinds deep. He can have like seven, eight suited. I was thinking more like King Jack suited. Stuff like that makes a lot of sense to me in pocket eights and pocket sixes and stuff. Um, he probably could play seven, eight suited actually. He's on the button. He's Adrian Mateos. You know, they're going to, and they do a lot of small ball, both him and Big Nell. So, so yeah, okay. I guess he can have some suited connectors too. Some of the yeah, good, I, the good I mean, suited. you want to you want to be able to cover the board in a spot like this when you're forty blinds deep, and if you're only covering the low part of the board with your pocket pairs, it's probably not enough combinatorially compared to your Broadway. Yeah, that's fair. Um, hard to argue that. I guess he could have some suited aces as well, but that's a way to cover the board. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, those feel um, like worse hands to flat with than seven eight suited against the end of the gun range. I mean, when you're talking about covering the board, the only way to show up with like a three in, a three in your hand is pretty much ace three suited, right? Or pocket threes, though. Like you're not going to have three true. four suited. So there's still going to be some of that. But, but your point is still, I think, good and reasonable that you're not like, I think you generally prefer to have seven eight suited than ace seven suited 
in this spot because yeah. you're going to three bet a seven more because of the blocker and then the and the reverse implied odds seem so much worse with a seven of course than with seven eight yeah absolutely either way he's heading to a flop okay in the small ball 2.05 million in the pot and guess what what nitrogen sports poker room is the sponsor of this podcast they love everything about the poker guys and the poker guys audience yeah there you go i don't think i think we're done with the ad now oh man i thought we we're gonna sing that whole one that no. whole ad i was no. ready no more singing but there is more ad nitrogen sports poker can be signed up for using the link in the description of this podcast We've been running for a couple of weeks now a uh, PDX Meadows series, which mimics the local club in Portland. Uh, I think that's probably still going to be going on when this podcast comes out. But if it's not, you know what? There's other great stuff on Nitrogen that you can be playing, including our monthly tournament, which is the greatest overlay of all time. They don't even put enough spots available in the tournament for them to cover the guarantee by 31%, Jonathan. I know. That's, that's how crazy good the value is. It's a 0.1 millibit buy-in with a 100 millibit guarantee. They only let 300 people in the tournament. Do you understand that? That it, means they're guaranteeing, they're guaranteeing a greater than 2x overlay. Now, it's always bigger than that anyway, but they're guaranteeing that. How crazy is that? Who does that? Only I don't the, understand. Only the best running guys, the show here. Only the best nitrogens in the world. They're, they're a good site. And uh, that's also exemplified by the withdrawal process. When you withdraw your Bitcoin from nitrogen, you get it in 90 minutes or less. That is industry leading. I don't know of any other site that does anything near that. No, I don't think any other site does. In fairness, I haven't done all the Bitcoin transactions on every site, but every site I'm aware of takes days. And that's all the big ones. And by the way, these days where people are playing with poker apps and stuff like that, where you end up getting handed the cash by a broker, there's a lot of weird trust stuff that you have to do, which nitrogen just, just like bypasses all of that and just doesn't deal with that. And just, you've got a Bitcoin wallet, you send it out to yourself, you get it an hour and a half, always. Like it just goes through their system and that's it. No one has to approve it. It's none of that stuff you can do at any time of day. It's way better. Yep. Get on nitrogen, get you some poker. Yeah. All if right. we kept going with the song there was going to be a hip hop break in the middle, it's going to be super sweet. Yeah. I am glad we avoided that. I am really? concerned about the legality. Of, I was ready to go, man. I'm concerned about the legality of you rapping. I feel <laughs> like it could be considered a, a crime against humanity and might be a problem. I mean, when we say crime, though, isn't that like... I mean, you don't mean like a actual crime, right? You just mean more like a moral crime. Not I like mean, a, like, detectives will show up at your door and be like, mm. uh, is this you? Are you Jonathan Levy? And I'll say, yes. Yes, I They'll am. Say, Okay, uh, on the day of April 14th at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, was this you speaking into this microphone? Let me play this recording, and then they'll play the recording, and you'll say? And I'll say, that is 100% me. And are you aware of statute 314.9? And I'm going to immediately cut him off. I'm going to say, no, but I will sign your breast. Give me a give me a sharpie. This is and happening. That is when you You're get welcome. Ha- that's when you get handcuffed. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of Jonathan Levy. You just getting handcuffed doesn't end you. It just slows you down a little I bit. I mean, if it were a movie, it would like fade to black, like clearly you're going to prison for life. Like we go we put up the titles. Jonathan Levy died in prison 40 years later. <laughs> the good guys won, the bad guys lost. Everybody's happy. <laughs> <sighs>
All right, fine. No hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's 2.05 million chips in the pot. Kristen Bicknell is under the gun with King Queen off, King of Hearts, Queen of Clubs having raised. Adrian Mateos flatted the button with Ace of Hearts, King of Diamonds. He has the effective stack of exactly 40 blinds to start the hand. The flop is a little unfair for Kristen. It is King of Spades, 10 of Clubs, Deuce of Clubs. She's going to lose some chips unless she improves. Yeah, that is... Uh... I mean, this is one of the reasons why you do it as Mateo. It's not the main reason. Like, I think, you know, the deception factor is not that you think you're going to, you know, cooler somebody by flopping top pair and they're going to have a worse one. Usually with an ace, not a king, you'd think, if it's going to happen. But more that Kristen's going to rep the kinds of hands that you actually have. Like, when a king or an ace flops, she's going to bet that and can bet that hard thinking she's got a real range advantage on you as Mateos, and it won't be, the range advantage won't nearly be as big as it seems as a result, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Seems unfair, though. You're right. But something interesting happens, and that is that Kristen Bicknell checks. Interesting. Might her spidey senses already be tingling? I don't feel like it can be that, right? I mean, like, no, that seems so. odd. Um, it is strange because this is a board you'd expect that positionally and situation-wise, Bicknell is going to bet the majority of the time with the majority of her hands. You feel like if she's going to have some checks here, it would be hands like two jacks or two queens, you know? And yeah, now clearly you have to sometimes check your top pair of hands against a field like this and against a player like Mateos. Otherwise, when in you know, Kristen's gonna be playing him a lot. You know, they have this iterated game going on here where they're playing all these high rollers together and a bunch of other stuff. Um, if she always bets her top pairs and better, and like all her checks are just medium strength hands, meaning worse than kings or really bad kings and worse, it's possible he'll be able to just you know, own her because he can essentially put three streets of pressure on all of that range. And it's going to be really hard for her to hang in there with those hands. Right. It's basically like, if you go bet, bet, shove, how can I call with a yeah. hand like that? So, so by, by mixing in some of these kinds of hands, it really thwarts that kind of strategy where this is a hand, of course she can call down with. Um, and that makes it much easier for her. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about this a little bit more because obviously we're not going to come to the answer that is accurate for Kristen Bicknell, but what are some methods you would use to decide when you're going to take a hand like this and check in order to create that balance? Like why is it just whim and randomness? Like this is, this is the time because I feel like it, I'm going to check top pair against this guy because I want to have it in my range just this time, because I don't know, I feel like doing it this time or is there more method to it? Like I have the queen of clubs, meaning that it's less likely that he has a flush draw. And for some reason that makes me do it this time. Right. I mean, you sort of would want her to have more flush draws probably than less in this case, but I hear you. I guess it protects you from like a running clubs type spot. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. It's probably different for Kristen, like you're saying, than it would be for me. <laughs> Kristen maybe has a really clear balance strategy here where she knows she's checking something like um, there would be 12 combos of King Queen that she would show up with here. Maybe she's checking two of them to Mateos in this spot. And then it's just a question of how do you decide? And maybe she actually knows with suits, like you're saying, based on the board or maybe not based on the board. Maybe it's just like when I have these suits, it makes it easy. This is my two combos that I'm doing. Maybe she knows that. Maybe it's with having the backdoor flush draw with the king versus the queen. She does it that way, perhaps, also. Um, for me, it would be, because I don't have to be so balanced. Um, I sometimes, in, in these spots, before the flop comes out, I decide to myself, all right, if it's a clean board and I flop top pair, I'm going to check this time based on what's been going on, based on our history. Usually it's going to be just table history, not like, 
long, long history with, with most players. Right. Of course. And, and I'm the same way because a lot of the time when I'm playing, I'm playing against players that I know players that I feel like I have a good handle on how they think and how they play. And our recent history informs me a lot about how they're thinking about how I play. And I will make a decision based on that, which is obviously pure exploit. Whereas with these players who are, as you were mentioning in the beginning, the top tier players, this is a top tier table. They're all super elite. They have to have balance employed in their strategies or they're just going to eat each other alive. Right. So there has to be some methodology to it. And suits is the easiest way to do it. It could also be literally like what time on the clock it is. It it could Mm -hmm. whatever you want it to be. But she, yeah, basically she has to choose some percentage of the time that she wants to check King Queen on boards similar to this against players like this and find a way to apply that percentage. Like if she wants to check 30% of the time, then she could do it so that like anytime it's a three, seven or nine on is the last number on the clock. That's when she checks like something like that. That's a cool way to do it. It's yeah. Kind of neat. Um, yeah. There's, 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 a, there's so many different ways she could do it. Um, I would guess that what's really going on is even with a lot of balance, she's ultimately trying to play exploitative against Adrian um, and deviate from GTO. Cause she doesn't want to break even against him. She wants to beat him right. Over right. Time. Um, and I'm sure Alex Foxen is the same way. And of course they are together boyfriend and girlfriend and are strategizing all the time. I'm, I'm sure, you know, and that's one of the reasons why they've both been so good for so long now for the last several years. Um, so as a result, I would guess, yeah, she comes up with whatever percentage she thinks is the right percentage against Adrian, which is maybe different than a percentage against someone else. And I would guess is not GTO, but is, you know, enough to make it so he has to play honest or like he basically has to be honest against her. Otherwise, he's going to get hurt, you know, and she's going to try and play into his uh, whatever his proclivities are. If he's a little bluffy, which I think of him as being, um, she might check a little more of these hands than would be GTO correct, for example. Yeah, well whatever the methodology is and whatever the reason is, it ultimately ends up being pretty great for her that this is the time she chose to check because she's actually in some decent trouble here. She is in dire, dire straits right now. Yeah. By so, the way, Mark Knopfler, lead singer and guitarist of dire straits. Yeah. The Sultan's a swing. Sultan's a swing, man. That's right. Among many things, but Sultan's a swing. Was her first big hit. Harry doesn't mind if he doesn't, Make the scene. Is that what he's he got says? a daytime job? He's doing all right. Yeah. Nice job. Thanks. All right. Continuing. Continuing. So, so, so she checks. She finds the miracle check at the right time. It's cool. King 10, deuce, two clubs. Bicknell has the only club in the hand. Mateo says, Ace of Hearts, King of Diamonds. Um, so, what do you think the types of hands Bicknell is mostly showing up with if you're Mateos and you're sitting there? Um, mostly it's one pair of hands that are below the king, like we were saying before, right? It's like tens, jacks, queens, maybe nines, eights as well. Um, you mean like ace 10, right? Not like a set of tens. Yes, of course. Ace 10, king 10, not king 10, queen 10, jack 10, 10, nine suited, uh, pocket queens, pocket jacks, pocket nines, pocket eights. I would think that would be the majority of her range or what it looks like anyway. Right. Sometimes she's got some weird check raises with like, not weird, but check raises with like ace queen of clubs and stuff like that too. Maybe. You wouldn't put her on too many gut shots or open enders. You'd think she's betting those most of the time when she has the range advantage, right? Right. And if not, she's certainly check raising them uh, a lot. Not always, but a fair amount of the time also, right? Because of the range advantage. Yeah. So the thing that's interesting about this for Kristen is deciding to check this board. This is a board where you'd expect to get a fair amount of calls from Adrian, where he's going to flop a gut shot of a lot, at least right. Or a club draw. Yeah. 
she has a club in her hand, so it cuts it down slightly, but still. He's got a decent I think it's really interesting she checks this board. He's got a decent amount of tens too that he has to call with. Ace ten suited, uh jack ten suited, maybe queen ten suited, I'm not sure. I mean, if he has ace jack, he's gonna call a small bet on the flop, right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Might make might lose his mind with a small, you know, if we make a small bet on the flop once in a while. He's Adrian Mateos. Yeah. He can show up with some weird stuff. You show up with Ace King, apparently. So also that. Is there any reason for Mateos to check back? I mean, I, especially knowing Mateos's uh, image of being at least relatively bluffy, I don't see why he would check this back. Like, he, it looks like he, he could very reasonably be just trying to get her off a hand like two nines right now, you know, by betting and starting the story to do yeah. that, where he's going to double or triple barrel to get her off a hand like that, where they're both relatively short and he can sort of threaten her life ultimately or close to it. I, I don't know why you would check this back. Also, the board is such that, you know, a club comes on the turn. It may be hard to get value anyway. You know, um, I don't know why we wouldn't bet right now. We've got a really good hand. We're almost always ahead. This seems like a great spot to bet. And we're willing to, we're willing to go broke. Like we can get it in here. You know, we're not going to fold if we get check raised. That's for sure. So yeah, it just feels not. like pretty straightforward. I don't know why we wouldn't bet. What do you think? I, I, I agree with those points. Um, have you ever been in a spot? Now, this is a bit of an aside, but where if you're in Bicknell's seat and you have two jacks, have you ever been in a spot where you've actually check folded two jacks because the player was so obvious in a, on a board like this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I am up, you know, I played against a lot of obvious players in my life. Absolutely. I actually remember playing where a guy in a tournament, this is like seven years ago now in Portland, though, where a guy, a super tight player, all, like never, in a, I don't remember his name, I think his name was Brian, but, um, Never in a million years did he ever deviate from having it. He opened in like the cutoff. I had two jacks in the big blind, and I think we had like 25 blinds effective. I just called, thinking like raising here seems bad. The flop was king high. I checked. He bet small. I folded. He showed ace king. I showed jacks. And I was like, yep, super straightforward. He never is betting without a hand that, like he's always beating me when he bets. Super easy. You know, and I know that's not exactly the same because we, because in the big nail spot we're checking, but it really plays the same, like ultimately, right? Uh, I have against certain players. I think you can easily check full jacks here, man. It's so much nicer to play against those players than it is to play against people like Adrian Mateus or Kristen. I know there was a guy who went on our YouTube channel just the other day and was talking about how, uh, Colin, uh, West, who did some videos for us, some poker science videos for us. And one of them, Colin says, you know, if there's someone at your table who only four bets Queens plus basically an ace King, you know, you, you would want them never to leave the table. Right now, in, in practice, very few players in cash games really have a wider four betting range than that. Most of the time, there aren't too many people who light four bet. But his point is, like, if it's predictable, it's great. And this guy wrote a long thing about how calling Colin stupid multiple times and how how bad that is, you know. And that you, of course, you want them to leave the table. Then you can't four bet light. You know, you can't you can't five bet them light, or you can't three bet them light. You can't do all these things, and it's like all you want is predictable players. Like that is the best thing in poker. Poker is a game of deception. If you know what the other guy has, give or take. And by that, I mean, range wise, it's so much easier to make decisions when it's not balanced. Right. When it's like a clear, like they always have it spot. I mean, it sucks to have to fold a good hand, but if you know, they have it, it's, it sucks even more to call with that good hand, right? (laughs) Where you pay them and you know, your beat, that's the worst. And we've all lived that life. We've all been there. And then we, some of us have learned and stopped doing that. <laughs> what a deal. Like to like be up against certain players where you can fold a really strong hand. Like 
against these players like Mateus, you can't do that usually because they're just going to show up with enough bluffs that they're going to kill you if you fold strong hands. Yeah. And that's what makes them tough. Yep. I, I agree. Uh, I feel like I, back in the day, I almost like had to convince you to fold some strong hands against the players that are super obvious. Cause you, you're, you're like, so wanting to just be like, but my range is, it's like so close to the top of my range. But yeah. Sometimes you just got to get over that with the certain players, but yes, in the, in this case, the Jonathan Levy approach would certainly be the right one of using range to make decisions. And of course, this is part of Big Nell's range that she could never fold, never consider folding with King Queen. Yeah, second second best kicker possible for top pair. So she calls. It doesn't of seem course. to be much of an argument for check raising, right? That would that would be weird. I mean, we would check raise just to balance the times when we have combo draws, but we probably have some stronger hands to do that with. Although I would wonder how often we're going to actually check raise a set versus bet the set ourselves. Maybe we you know, don't so. have a check raising range. Maybe it's just different. Maybe it's uh, like king 10 suited. There's, there's very few combos of that. So that's not, not too much. It seems weird to not have a check raising range when we're this short and the board is like wet enough. Like we should probably have at least a little bit. If we can never threaten a check raise, Mateos can bet with a fair amount of impunity here. You know, if he knows he's never, yeah. it's like really powerful to know you're never getting raised, you know? So it's like, all right, I can bet small. And well, worst case scenario is I get to the turn in position. Like that's really different than, you know, some percentage of the time I'm getting raised. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to, you know, you're going to have a different kind of trigger finger. I think yeah. we have an easy six combos. We can check raise with uh, deuces and tens. Those are easy check raises. And then that's fair. So those can be our, our strong value. Maybe you, Maybe once in a while we can do it with two kings, but it feels like a little bit hard to get called. I agree. Um, two kings is not as good. Then we'll um, do it with some combo draws, ace-jack, ace-queen, and queen-jack suited. The thing is, when you're saying an easy six combos, that means we're checking all of our sets 100% of the time, or at least tens and deuces. That seems bad. It does seem bad. That. But So we can't do that, but we don't have that many check raises on this board, I think is maybe your original point yeah. anyway, right? Like. Even if we do the combo draws, there aren't that many, right? There's queen jacket clubs, there's ace jacket clubs, there's ace queen of clubs. I don't know if we show up with any other combo draws. I don't think we have jack nine of clubs, probably right. not. Right, or queen nine of clubs. Probably not eight-handed, 40 blinds. I don't think so. So so it doesn't yeah. seem like you would need to include this in a check-raising range, even if you had one, the king-queen. Right, I agree. I agree. Uh, mainly it's just so that way you're less polarized in these spots, right? So that yeah. way if he's like, well, you either always, you know, like if I have an ace 10, I can actually, ace 10 plays the same as a bunch of other hands against you and then it stops playing the same. And against a guy like Adrian, again, at some point you may need to show up with a hand like this with a check raise, but very rarely. I mean, we can keep walking down this path and create right. a range, but we don't need to. Let's not, please. Yeah. Please. All right. So Bicknell calls, that seems quite logical once she's checked. Yeah, so they both have top hair. Adrian somehow has her in jail. Kristen's got to believe she almost always has the best hand. Of course. Like, she's probably thrilled that he bet. She's like, okay, good. Yeah. Maybe he'll bet again. That'll be great. You know, That would be just wonderful. All right, so the pot is now 3.45 million. The turn is the deuce of spades. Pairing the deuce doesn't change anything pretty much ever. Neither of these players has a lone deuce in their hand, right? Ever? I don't think so. I don't think Mateos has ace deuce suited. No. Nope. Uh, pre almost ever, maybe never. Um, I guess Bicknell could have ace-deuce suited. Maybe, but most players are folding that under the gun eight-handed. Um, most are, yes. At 40 blinds, also with 220 blind stacks, she's probably a little more inclined to just fold it. Um, usually you want to be deeper to start with. But, you know, the, the best players in the world are like looking for excuses to play hands, right? Even against each other. I mean, so. I think the only way this, this card ever changes the situation here is if 
Bicknell had aces and Mateos had king 10 suited and Bicknell is now in the lead. You know, that's like maybe right. the way. I would think as Adrian Mateos, we would feel very comfortable with this card and like maybe once in a while she's still playing aces and maybe once in a while she has ace two suited, but those are very unlikely for lots of reasons. There aren't very many combos of either of those. I, block, I have an ace in my hand, which blocks those combos. Also, she's unlikely to play them this way. Anyway, like aces is often going to bet the flop, not check call often. Ace deuce may not have opened anyway. Probably is going to bet the flop rather than check call anyway. Probably. I think that one's a little bit more of a candidate to check call, admittedly. I don't know. I wouldn't, I'd be, if I was Adrian, I'd think like, well, if she got there, she got there. Like, whatever. I'm obviously never folding. Yeah, of course. So Bicknell is going to check. That seems like she's kind of, it would be really weird to lead now, right? Yep. With King Queen. I mean, because she looks like she's two jacks. Yeah. And she's hoping Mateus is going to bet, probably. Absolutely. She's like, please try and get me off my two jacks, sir. Yeah. And Mateus does. He bets and he's just going for value now. He's trying to get called by, Jackson Queens, and I, I guess you can hope and pray that, that Bicknell has King Queen in her range. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the board is wet and it did not, and a brick came on the turn in terms of the wetness, no club, no straight card came or anything like that, means he can keep repping some of that, right? If he has yeah. ace jack suited, he might bet again, for example, even though he blocks jacks, which isn't ideal, but whatever. If he has two uh, eights, he might be turning them into a bluff. Something like that. Yeah, he's like, please fold your jacks or your 10 here or your whatever here. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's possible. He might sometimes check, but he absolutely, like we were saying at the beginning of this uh, podcast, this is the time to go for it a little bit, right? Right now, where the money jumps are not that big a deal. And these guys making an extra whatever it is, you know, $30,000 or something isn't that big a deal to them. It doesn't change their lives in any massive way. Yeah. So I think... I mean, it's, it is hard to imagine getting called down for three streets with Ace-King by Oris Hand in this spot, but I guess you just have to try against players like this. I think if we're uh, Adrian, we're hoping that Kristen... I wouldn't really think she had King-Queen. We're hoping she has Queens or Jacks, and another brick card comes on the river, like another deuce comes on the river. We can bet our miss draws, and she calls, right? Or maybe, maybe a deuce is too much. Actually, maybe it's harder to bet our miss draws on a deuce, but just some other bricky, tiny card comes that isn't a club. We could, we could take a shot and make it look like we're just playing our missed draws this way. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, he's just going to go for it. Going to go for the value. Yeah. Bet's 2.2 million. Kind of a big bet. 2.2 into 3.45. As far as like tournaments, especially when the average stack is something like 30 or 40 blinds, that's a, that's a pretty big bet. Um, mm-hmm. Bicknell, it, I mean, the plan's coming together for her right now. She can't fold, right? I don't see how in the world she could fold. She should be, I would think she is internally doing a little fist pumping. Obviously some part of her is like, well, he could have a set. He could have King 10 suited. I mean, he can have me beat, but like, this is, I mean, this is pretty great, right? This it is, is just, but this is, this, mean, the plan is coming together. Like, you know, Hannibal and the A team. Yeah. Is there any current value that he has that's worse than her hand though? Do you think he has King Jack suited and would bet this size again? I think it's possible he would, where he's trying to get value out of all the hands we were talking about, you know? Like, it doesn't look like I wouldn't, if I were him, I would think King Queen is such a tiny part of her range that we could absolutely, the, the hands he's currently trying to get value from is almost the same as he'd be trying to get value from with King Jack suited. Okay, but it's really only King Jack that we're beating the, of current value, right? Oh, um, of current value. Yeah, I think that's right. Because I don't think he's betting Ace 10 again on this card. I mean, he could, uh, 
yeah, because we're chopping with King Queen. So we're be I think I agree with you. I think Ace 10 is probably checking back. He might decide to bet one more time on this wet board, but usually she is not going to be check calling with her draws on the flop anyway. So yeah. I don't think we have to be too worried about her having draws. Yeah. So I, I mean it's a little like his value range is problematic for us, but of course he's Adrian Mateos so and he doesn't only have value here. Yeah, he's probably got a lot of not value, especially right. and, and we're engineering the spot, right? We're, we yeah. check the flop, we check the turn. We're inducing a lot more bluffs than we otherwise may have here. So his bluff range is really wide in his value range. Okay, we, we're not doing great against it for sure, but it shouldn't be that doesn't widen while the bluff range does, right? Yep. So she so calls. Good. Yeah, Seems she has reasonable. to call. Pot's big now, seven point eight five million. Yeah, we're we're getting close to some some shit. <laughs> you don't want to be close to shit. You want to be far away from shit because the smell is worse when you're close. I'm saying Mateos is stacked a pot. He's got barely more than a pot left at this yep. point, right? He's got like nine million and the pot's got almost eight million in it. So as big now, we can see a shove is coming a lot here on the river. Right. But that should be I mean, in my mind, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Well, let's see what happens because this is a breakdown hand, Jonathan Levy. Yes. Those suggested by Jonathan Levy. The river is <laughs> the three of spades. It does bring in the backdoor flush, but the three itself never really changes anything. Nobody has pocket threes at this point. Seems incredibly unlikely. Maybe Mateos I, has pocket threes. Mateos is the one. Mateos is the guy who could have pocket threes, but it's so unlikely. Yeah. He's so probably Bic- checking flop return. So Bignell checks again. Seems reasonable. Just, you know, we're in yeah. bluff catching mode at this point. For sure. All right. First question. Should Mateos go for value? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think, draws all missed. Yeah. I mean, Bignell doesn't really have too many spades in her range. She would have had to check call queen jack of spades or ace jack or ace queen of spades. Seems unlikely. Why would she play it that way on the flop or the turn? Yeah. Like the turn, maybe more than the flop. It just, the whole thing feels like she's just going to bet ace jack on the flop. She's not going to check call it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we have to worry about that card as Mateos. Yeah. I think it's pretty much, it's definitely a better card for us than her range wise. We have more spades yeah. in our range than she has in her range. No question. We're the, we're the ones who pick up backdoor spades and keep firing. Right. If, and if we could have did. threes. We can have threes, right? We're saying he doesn't have threes off it, but that's just because there aren't many combos of it, but he might play threes just like this. He Flat, might. bet the flop, bet the turn. So Mateos is going to go for value. Makes sense. He's probably expecting not to get called too often though. Cause he's really hoping she has King queen or King Jack and played it this way, which you wouldn't expect her to play it this way with those hands, right? No, um, I, I wouldn't even really think that would be a big, I would mostly be attacking Queens and Jacks rather than, and, and hoping to get called by those rather yeah, than, which is like king. an unlikely thing to happen, but I guess you have to yeah. try. Might as well try. It feels like a free roll. It's never a free roll, but it feels like it's a free roll, right? Like it's very close to a free roll. So he bets. So that's good. He bets 5.2 million. So yeah. do you think he should fold if he gets shoved on? Just quick as a quick aside. Oh man. Oh geez. He's gonna have he's gonna have nine blinds left. And yes, I think he should probably fold if he gets shoved on. He's the guy who has backdoor spades and she doesn't, right? Like right. she has obvi- like she has like she, tens full if she shoves pretty right. much. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like it seems really hard for her to be bluffing if she checks shoves leaving only nine blinds back. And he's got, he absolutely has nutted hands here. He can have pocket tens. We see that he has ace king. He can definitely have pocket tens. He can have the, he's the guy who has the spades. Those are hands that are never folding. I think you should absolutely fold top pair. That's yeah. a good question. Yep. 
But he's not going to have to think about that. Bicknell's going to have a binary decision here of call or fold. I know what you would do, Jonathan. I know you would call. Yeah, I would call. Well, would here's call. why. Go ahead. Here's why it's a breakdown hand. Bicknell folds after yeah. little to no contemplation, it seems like. So. I mean, she thinks about it for a while. Uh, for the amount of time that these types of players think about things, it's a relatively short tank for the magnitude of this fold. I so, mean, I think they have time. I think they only have 30 seconds. Ah, yeah, maybe that's part of it. So, yeah, what's going through her head? Well, one thing in my mind is she's, she's considering the range advantage. She's considering that Mateos has threes full sometimes. And Mateos is the guy who has backdoor spades. If Mateos had ace jack or ace queen of spades, he might play it like this the whole way. He might play eight, nine of spades like this the whole way. Any, any spade combo that he was bluffing with on the flop, he's going to continue on the turn, right? Right. Yeah. He's going to, yes, a hundred percent. So he can have that. Um, the other thing that I think he, she's probably thinking about is his sizing, which has got to feel a little bit not great. Like he chooses not to shove, right? Yeah, I mean, but... He doesn't go tiny, but it's still a big bet. He could be bluffing, of course, but like he might shove his bluffs a little more, you know, to like get the extra oomph and the extra fold equity. I guess is an exploit, but you would think that Mateos is going to be balanced enough that he's going to have bluffs at this size if he's going to yeah. have value at this size. Of course. Of course, I would expect that. And, of, and against Bicknell, you could play the leveling sizing game forever. Both of them could, and we could end up anywhere on that, anywhere on the spectrum. So maybe it's not really that valuable to get into the size of it in this spot. Right. Um, I mean, he's got the range advantage now based on how the hand is played out, right? He obviously can have bluffs, but he has the range advantage. Right, so she must be thinking about that, but is she overthinking about that? Because if you, like, that's a GTO concept. Another GTO concept is distribution, which, like, I would guess that if we went down the distribution, this would be in the call part of the distribution with king-queen. It would seem like it would have to be. Now, we don't have a spade in our hand, which may actually be the thing which changes it. Yeah. It's possible she calls with worse hands, but that have a spade in them to block the flush. Like two queens with a queen of spades? Yeah, like I would guess without knowing that the solver prefers that to uh, when he bets again and bets big on the river. And he's sort of repping a hand that's beating like King Jack anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the solver prefers that. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me right now. But that's the kind of stuff the solver's super into. It's like fold aces, call with sevens because you block the straight with sevens, you know, type of stuff, fold pocket aces. Like we see that on the river sometimes with the solver. So maybe she's valuing the spade situation a lot and and is thinking, okay, it is a king-queen, but it also doesn't have a spade, so I can't call with it? That is my best guess as to why she finds a fold, is that if she had a spade in her hand, she would call. Even so, she must think Adrian is not screwing around very much because I, fi- I, I would find a pretty easy call against Adrian here, incorrectly, but because of the way I played the hand. And like you're saying, my, the range just feels like I just... Like, come on, man. Like, this is so, this hand is so good. It's crazy good. Is it possible he's value betting a worse hand? It's at least a little bit possible. Mm, I don't see it. I, I think he could be betting King Jack. I think he could. I, um, I, I'm not expecting that for three streets when she opens under the gun and goes call, call. I mean, he's betting two pips better than that, right? I mean, the only hand that it makes any difference is, the only two hands that it makes any difference against is ace, king, and king, queen. Exactly. Yeah, but King Jack blocks jacks. King Jack blocks a king. Blocks ace king and king queen. It does, but like you're trying to get block called. Queens. When, you, when you bet King Jack, what are you trying to get called by? Trying to get called by queens, jacks, and a 10. 
Yeah. Right. Ace 10, basically. Those are the three things I would, I mean, it's not completely impossible. He's going for sick value here. Okay. But in Mateos, he knows his image in practice. Would you actually bet King Jack three times in a spot like this as Adrian Mateos against Bicknell specifically? I don't know. Uh, if I know she's capable of folding a hand like King Queen, then I probably wouldn't bet it, even though it would work out amazingly well this time, because it means she's like, she's probably not calling wide enough. Although maybe she's calling with any 10 with a spade, any, you know, any um, jack, pocket jacks or pocket queens with a spade. So maybe, maybe it's fine again. I don't know. Maybe she uh, has a much tighter range here than we think. And if we yeah. even forego the spades part of the distribution, maybe this is lower in her, lower in her distribution than we think based right. on like some game she's playing with Adrian where she's checking the flop a lot here. Like she's yes. like, well, I have aces here. I have ace king here. I have tens full here. I have kings I, full here. Yeah. Yeah. I have quad deuces here. I would have folded queens or jacks on the turn because of right. whatever reason. So now king queen is right. like the bottom. Right. Maybe she actually is folding, like we're saying, like you're saying, a lot more on the turn with all these marginal hands because it looks like she's check calling. Like when yeah. she calls the flop, it looks like she's check calling the turn a lot, right? Like, yeah. The line she's taking is like, I'm planning on not folding to you very much because I have a showdownable hand and you're going to have to really convince me. And so if she's folding, but if she's, because it looks like that, that she, maybe she feels like she can fold queens because he has less on the turn because he has less bluffs. Again, this is just a leveling war though now where we could, you could go back and forth forever, right? Right. I think more likely it's the lack of spade in her hand, which yeah. leads to the fold. I think so too. I think if she has a spade in her hand, she's going to call him probably quickly and just lose more chips. Yep. And, be, and probably be out in eighth place a lot, you know? Yep. Well, what, whatever her methodology was that got her there, it turns out to be a miracle fold and really sucks for Adrian that he somehow doesn't get value by the one pip worse hand. I mean, this sort of goes back to the value of three betting pre-flop, right? Like if he three bets and gets called by her, he almost always gets all the chips. But playing deceptively, like when she's able to make the fold on the river anyway, after he plays this hand so deceptively, that sucks. It does, you know? but it could, do, it could have just been luck. It could have been combinatorial yeah. luck, you know? Sure, but this is part of what happens. You know, this yeah. is like the board runs out in, in ways or that like it's hard to get action. That's one of the reasons why you put more money in earlier in the, in the hand rather than later because the action gets killed a lot for different reasons. And here's an example of it. True, true. I mean, if it's well, the three of hearts, I think she calls. So, so. Uh, do, you, do you have how these players ended up finishing? Well, funny enough, I do. And you know, we were saying that uh, Kristen making this save actually saves her from going out in eighth. She went out in eighth place. So did not actually save her any money at all. So she, didn't, she gave she, herself a chance. She didn't go out in eighth, but she did go out in eighth. Right. She didn't go out in eighth at that point, but she yeah, went out yeah. in eighth. Um, Adrian finished fourth. So he ended up making $250,000, 204,000 euro. So that was a nice jump for him. And he made an extra almost 180K. And this hand helps. For sure.